Hodges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. going on guys welcome back to camps corner today joining me is a providence college legend and a former nba point guard playing from 1973 to 1978 guys help me in welcoming ernie DiGregorio, better known as ernie d to camps corner ernie how are you doing man nice to meet you i'm doing great i, I played golf today i walked three miles after i lifted weights and i worked out on my big balls so i'm <laughs> i'm doing great before we start off um you know i always dedicate uh all my episodes to uh, the late Dan Missoula. Uh, he was my coach uh, back in my playing days for uh, since seventh grade to my junior year in high school. So about like seven, uh, six, seven years um, until he got sick uh, with the brain tumor, unfortunately. But uh, I was wondering if you knew him or if you had any kind of relationships with him. Yeah, I knew him well. He, yeah. he was a fun guy. He was a real, I remember when he used to play, he was a hard nosed player, you know, really played hard and, uh, I seen him right before I think he got sick. Uh, we went up to his gym and use it and work out a couple of uh, NBA prospects. And, uh, you know, you could tell he was getting a little sick, but uh, he was always nice to me. I have nothing but good things and great memories of him. Yeah, he's a great coach for me. I mean, as well as my teammates, I can say the same thing. Um, you know what I mean? I, I learned everything I know from him. Uh, all this kind of stems from him and the mentality that he taught to uh, me and my teammates. But um, so let's jump right into it. So after winning a high school championship uh, with North Providence in uh, 1968, uh, what was the recruitment process like uh, going into college at the time? And what were the types of offers and interests you were getting? Yeah, well, I didn't have many because, you know, in Rhode Island, Rhode Island's not noted for a hotbed of uh, great basketball players. And um, I had to... Uh, when I was a junior in high school, I had Niagara, you know, where Calvin Murphy went. I don't know if you ever heard this guy, Frank Layden, he coached Utah, but he was the coach in Niagara. He's the first guy that really showed interest in me when I was a junior in high school. And then when I was a senior, I pretty much knew I wanted to go to Providence. So um, PC, you know, offered me a scholarship, uh, but I had to go to prep school because I had to take my second year of algebra and uh, Spanish. I didn't switch in high school to uh, college uh, curriculum till I was like a junior. So I, I, I didn't have enough credits or maybe even when I was a senior. And then I uh, went to St. Thomas More Prep School and then I came back and went to PC. Yeah, so what made you choose uh, PC predominantly? Because I wanted to play in front of my family and PC had a great tradition of uh, great players going way back from Johnny Egan to Vinnie Ernst to Lenny Wilkins to, you know, uh, Jimmy Walker. And uh, they were on television. That was the only show that was, and there was no ESPN in those days. And so everybody used to watch PC on channel 10 and uh, I watched it. 
and I couldn't believe, you know, how much of an influence it had on the community. And I definitely made a major impact on me. And that's when I knew I wanted to play in front of my family and go to PC. Right. So like bouncing into your uh, freshman year, I read an article by uh, Craig Layton, who was a PC alum, was on PC's website uh, in your freshman season in 1969. Uh, He mentioned he had never seen anything like what he saw on the basketball court when he used to watch you play. And, you know, as for myself, looking at some highlights, it was almost like you were like ahead of your time. What I did was, you know, being a local kid um, and being really confident because I used to practice uh, eight, ten hours a day. I was, you know, I was different than everybody else. Determined. Everybody else would would go to dances. Everybody else would go to the beach. Everybody else would do other activities. But all I did was bounce my basketball and practice because I loved it so much. And um, so by practicing so much, I never had to look down at the basketball. So the ball became an extension of my hand so I could see the court. And what made me unique is I had the ability to hit that open man and in a way that brought the fans out of their seats. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that was different. So from all that hard practice and, and, and passion, I developed a unique skill. Yeah, like uh, like the highlights I was watching, like behind the back passes, no look passes. Like, who did you uh, like mimic your game after? And like, who did you like kind of? Uh, who's like your role model in a way? Well, you know, when I grew up, I used to watch Jimmy Walker play at Providence, and he was that was Jalen Rose's father mm-hmm. who played at Michigan State. Right. And he, he led the country in scoring his senior year. He averaged thirty a game. He was the first guy picked for the NBA draft. Um, he played in the uh, holiday festival was, was a big tournament around Christmas time in New York city, scored 50 points, you know, two years in a row. So I tried to, you know, copy some of his spin moves and, you know, everybody develops their own game, but, uh, he was the guy I would say I modeled, you know, I picked up the spin move that became my one move I could go to whenever I wanted to score. So he was the guy. Yeah. So did you like uh, the name Ernie D? Did you develop that more in high school and that kind of just followed you uh, into Providence or did you get that? No, name it wasn't in high school. It, it was in college when the uh, TV and radio announcer, you know, had trouble pronouncing my last name. He couldn't say Dig Gregorio. So he just said Ernie D and that's how it stuck. It stood with me, you know. Ernie D dribbles, Ernie D stops and pops, Ernie D. So that's how it it, it, it evolved. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, like kind of going to school for. And that's what I'm kind of uh, very interested in is like uh, um, commentating, color commentating, stuff like that. So I feel like yeah. this is a perfect way to, you know, get my name out there and get right off the ground. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, so transitioning into uh, your sophomore and junior season, um, now with the Friars, uh, your sophomore season, you led the team to a 20-8 and eight record, bringing them the Friars uh, to the NIT. But in your junior yep. season, uh, the Friars added Marvin Barnes, who you seem to have a great uh, chemistry with on the court. Um, explain to me like your relationship with Marvin and how you and him worked as a duo that season and brought your team to the uh, NCAA tournament and then the next season to the Final Four. Yeah, he, and Marvin was um, unique mm. because he was six foot nine, who could run like a deer and was very coordinated, 
could block shots, and he would get 20 rebounds a game. So anybody would like playing with someone like that. And we became good friends off the court also. You know, I would go over his house in South Providence. He'd come over my house when my mother would cook spaghetti and meatballs on Sundays. So we, get, we developed a great relationship and a great chemistry where we two Rhode Island kids had one goal and that was to become NBA first round picks. So we worked very hard at our craft every day in practice and we never took a day off and we we're very confident players. So my junior year, you know, I was, my, my sophomore year, I averaged like 18 points a game. And my junior year, I could average more, but I was playing basketball on a day we had a game with the University of Rhode Island. Both teams were undefeated. And I was playing in my driveway with a friend of mine from prep school. And I had a low basket, you know, in my driveway. And I stepped on the side of the curving and twisted my ankle and it swelled up. And I never was able to, you know, I played on it. They shot it with uh, uh, Novocaine and, you know, it was like a balloon. And I played that game against URI and we won, but I only had like seven points. I couldn't cut. Yeah. And that whole year, I was never the same player that I was as a sophomore because I couldn't cut on it. So my sophomore year, I only averaged like 17. And I think Marvin averaged like 20. But my senior year, you know, I, I, I was rested and in shape. And that's when we had that breakout year and went to the final four. They had won 73 in a row. They were like, they had Bill Walton. Before that, they had Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. So they, they had a phenomenal team. Earlier in the year, we traveled to California and played them at their home court and hung in there most of the game until the end, maybe with about seven minutes to go. We're only down by nine. And then at the end, they blew us out by 17. But it was a great experience to compete against the best team in the country. So after that game in the locker room, the media came up to me and they said, what does it look like for the rest of the year? And I said, we'll never lose a game the rest of the year. And we went on a streak and we won every single game, 16 in a row. So we get to the final four and there's UCLA that has 56,000 students University of Indiana with Bobby Knight had 40, 50,000 students and Memphis State had 40 to 50,000 students and Providence College had 2,600 students. It was really a special thing. First half against Memphis State, we were running them out of the, the gym. We were like up by 16. Marvin was blocking shots, getting rebounds, pitching it to me. We were getting out on the break. I was hitting Kevin Stakem and, you know, we, we were destroying this team. And then Marvin went up for a rebound, stepped on a Memphis player's foot, twisted right, right. his ankle, and had to come out of the game. And his leg locked up on him. And it was a freak accident. And he tried to come back, but he couldn't run. So we couldn't rebound 
you know, our defensive board to get our fast break going. And then we couldn't, um, you know, offensively, you know, we couldn't run. So without him to take 20 rebounds away, it changes your whole style of play. So we end up losing and uh, finished fourth in the country that year, but still it was a great year. Yeah, a tremendous year and tremendous career as well in PC. Um, what what did you what would you say like after that year, uh, your senior year, was your most uh, like the mo- the most memorable moment to be prepared for the NBA that kind of prepared you for the draft and uh, you know kind of just being around that kind of culture. Well, see, I think guys that go high in the draft, you know, I was picked third in the draft. Right. My my, my Marvin the next year was picked second in the draft. So when you get guys that get in the top five, they don't really have one particular thing that prepares them. They just have a mindset that they know they're good enough and, you know, they're able to uh, do things that teams need. Um, I think the biggest highlight of that year for me was when we beat Maryland uh, down south to go to the final four because in that game and I've never seen this ever in a college game before I had five offensive fouls called against me which is like unheard of I've never seen a basketball game in my life where one guy gets five fouls that meant the referees wanted me out they were south but my team were up by like 12 or 13 and when I came out my team actually increased the lead so what it did was it had us playing at a really all-time confident high going into the final four. And we were playing that way against Memphis until he got hurt. I actually didn't know that uh, Marvin got drafted uh, the following year in the uh, second Second overall too. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Um, Picked by Philadelphia, but went to the ABA. There were two leagues then, the ABA and the NBA. Right, right, right goes the ABA because they offer him more money, but he was a monster. He could really play PC the next year. I went to the uh, elite eight and lost to David Thompson. I was in Buffalo, you know, my rookie year, but he was that good. Yeah. So like, like you just said, back to your uh, rookie year, uh, you won rookie of the year with the Braves um, averaging 15.2 points, uh, leading the league in free throw percentages and assists. Um, how was your first season like? What was what was it like your first season in the NBA going up against people now that are Hall of Famers like Kareem, Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain, Pistol Pete, you know, players of that caliber? It was fun because yeah. your whole life you practice when you're a little kid in the playground, you know, trying to make the winning shot, thinking you're in the NBA. And then when you're finally there and you're competing against the greatest players in the world and you go out and have a great game and your team wins you know, that's the peak of what you want to do. And uh, it was was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like you adjusted to the game with ease. But uh, for someone like me, um, would you say uh, that the present day NBA is um, better than the past? Or would you say like vice versa? You think back then is was the right way to play? (laughs) I think that when they put the three point shot in the game, I think it ruined the game. Because I yeah, because, you know, the game, these are the most graceful athletes in the world and they run and jump. And when I played and when the Celtics won 11 out of 12 championships with Bill Russell, 
they always used to get the rebound and pitch it out and run the fast break and, you know, get layups or, you know, pass and cut. And it was an up-tempo game. Now you don't see that. Now teams in the NBA come down. As soon as they hit the three-point line, they stop. So I see players who could take a layup or a five-foot shot who pass it out to someone to take a, a three-point shot because that's what the analytic people tell the owners and the coaches, if you take more threes and you make more at, in the end, you score more points than you, you know, if you, if you just attack the basket. So personally, I, I don't think the game is anywhere near as exciting as it was in the old days. Uh, but that's, you know, I'll have, you have a million people, you know, debate that the other way. Right. No, I, I agree with you to an extent because, you know, obviously now a lot of the teams, almost every team in the NBA uses the, utilizes the three-point line, you know, to the best of their ability, like somebody like Steph Curry, you know what I mean, shooting from almost half court and, it, like, efficiently, you know, like 45%, uh, 40, you know, 40% around that range. But, um, you know, obviously the athletes now who should utilize, like, the you know, the fast break kind of style, uh, how you guys did back in the day, like, you know, the game, the pace of the game would be much, much faster um, you know, like you said, it was back then. You look at a guy like Julius Irving. How, yeah. how would he fit in in today's game? He's not a three-point shooter. Right. He's high-flying act, you know what I mean? David mm -hmm. you know, the, the greatest players to ever play. I mean, that pro he could probably learn to be a three-point shooter, but just think if you never was able to see him fly and take off and those dunks and those amazing things he did. If he, if his coach always told him you had to stop and shoot three points, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the athletes aren't great athletes and great players. I'm just saying the excitement of the game as a basketball purist, you know, I don't see it. No. Right. And a lot of people will, you know, agree with you. And I honestly, to an extent I do too. Um, but so as far as like, you know, your rookie season goes playing against uh, those kind of players, um, explain to me like, you know, a memorable moment going up against them or even playing uh, alongside well, one of them. You know, the, the, in the NBA, they tell you there's two seasons. <clears throat> there's the regular season and then there's a the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And the playoffs, the, the level of play goes up a notch because you lose and you go home. In those days, you know, people were playing for a lot of money in the playoffs and, and, and they were playing to, to build a name for themselves. And that meant then they could negotiate a big contract. If today you get these guys, take a guy like this kid, Ben Simmons, he's got $144 million owed to him and he, he won't show up at camp or he's not happy. You know, in the old days, they didn't pay that kind of money. So guys played like it was their life depending on it. Yeah. So, you know, I, it always stuck out to, to me when I played well in the playoffs. You know, we played the Celtics my rookie year and we lost. Uh, we took them six games and lost the sixth game by, I think, one or two points at the buzzer. That was, you know, something that always stood out in my mind as being, you know, uh, really exciting. And, you know, my third year, again, we took them six games. And I think I had one quarter, I had 16 points in the fourth quarter. And that always stays as, you know, a, a real positive accomplishment when you can score when the money's on the line in the playoffs. And then my rookie year, I had uh, 25 assists on the road against Portland. That still is an all-time rookie record. 
Right. Uh, yep. I saw that. With Nate McMillan, mm-hmm. uh, the coach of uh, the Indiana Pacers. So those are things that pretty much stand out in my mind is probably my biggest accomplishments. Right. So like going back to something like Ben Simmons, um, you know, how he's not playing and he's like uh, kind of taking advantage of the Sixers in a way that was, so that wouldn't be tolerated at all back then. You would be cut instantly. Right. Or something like that. Or, I mean, yeah, I know, was, the money's business. guaranteed. If somebody's got that, all but... that money. Yeah. You know, if you're making all that money, they won't cut them. But uh, what I'm saying is I don't think I've seen teams play like uh, I seen Orlando when Penny Hardaway was playing and uh, with Shaquille O'Neal and they lost the playoff game. And, you know, he, he had a big contract and stuff. And when the game's almost over, they were getting beaten. He was, he was smiling. And to me, when, when players don't take it serious and it doesn't hurt, it's because they got so much money they make yeah. that you know, they already won the game. So I think the money is great, you know, and I, I, they deserve it. But sometimes I think it lo- you lose that compet- you know, competitive edge. That's why guys like Jordan and LeBron James, and Larry Bird and guys like that, those are like the superstars. You know, they play hot every single night. I'm not saying the other guys don't play hot every night. I'm just saying it, it's money's not, well earned. Yeah. It's not like they're going out and, uh, you know, it's a lot of money, 144 million not to show up. Oh, yeah. It's definitely changed drastically over the years. Like, incredible numbers. Um, but, you know, after a few seasons with the Braves in uh, the 76, 77 season, uh, you were fortunate enough. You were fortunate enough to work with uh, like players like Julius uh, Irving, Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, and uh, Pete Maravich in an endorsing deal with uh, Spalding's line of uh, rubber basketballs with a signature Ernie D ball, which I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, they added that to the collection. Uh, tell me how that opportunity uh, came about to you and what it was like being a part of it. Yeah, the, the uh, it's all your agent. You know, your agents get deals for you, sneaker deals and basketball. And I, I still got one of those Ernie D basketballs. Yeah, you still got one? I was going to ask you if you still had it. Yeah, yeah I, I gave it to my neighbor and he, he just had it sitting in his uh, – and his breezeway was just sitting there deflated. <laughs> Gave it back to me, so that was cool. That's, do you have any like relationship with uh, with these guys, or you know, obviously like, some Hall of Famers or yeah. guys that were closer with you? Yeah, I talked to uh, you know uh, some of the guys on my team, like McAdoo, who was a you know a Hall of Famer, and right. uh, you know I knew Maravich pretty good. He was a, a very nice guy. I knew Havlicek. You know, a lot of them have, have died, but. Um, You know, it's a great experience when you play against the greatest players in the world, because then you know that you've reached your goal, which was, you know, not to make a lot of money. It was to play against the best and play on the big stage. And uh, that's something that you can always be proud of. Yeah. What was it like going up, uh, playing against, like alongside uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with your time at the Lakers? That must have been... You know, cool he was phenomenal because he was so graceful. Yeah. And uh, he had that sky hook where he would, you know, shoot it down at the Change basket. the game, yeah. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed playing with the Celtics with Havlicek. His last game, I gave him his last assist. So he was uh, he was really fun to play with because he always moved without the ball and made it easy for me to, you know, set him up. And uh, uh, it was fun. Yeah. So what's the, what's the trading process like? Like, I know you were traded uh, from the Braves to the Lakers. 
Um, and you only had a short uh, career with the Lakers, but what's the trading process like in the NBA? Well, again, it's, it's, it's the agents that yeah. work behind the scene and, you know, they, they, they make the deals and, and stuff like that. You don't have any control over that. Uh, a lot has to do with people trying to move contracts and money is involved a lot. That's why I think this kid, Ben Simmons, you know, I think they made him the scapegoat because Philly lost, but I don't see anybody paying the guy 144 million. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with this kid. Yeah. I know it's been buzzing all over the media. I mean, like, do you, like there's no teams that really would trade for him because he's not, I don't, I, in my opinion, I feel like he's not as valuable as what, you know, other teams are offering, but you know, I know the money's a big, um, factor too of course now with the Celtics after the uh, short career with the Lakers you had a chance to team up again with Marvin Barnes what, what was that experience like finally being on an NBA team you know with your lifelong uh, college uh, duo well I didn't play with him in the pros I played him with him in a USA series against the oh, Russian okay out of, out of college and it's always fun playing with him because he's funny and uh, he, he was you know I'm more of an offensive player he was a defensive player. He didn't like to shoot much, so that's right up my alley. I got more shots. You know, the one thing I'm, I'm most proud of at Providence College, the record I have, no one would ever know. I took more shots in one year than any player in history. Really? 760 shots. And that's probably the, the record that I'm most proud of. <laughs> wow. I mean, I grew I grew up around PC. Like, uh, I mean, I know I'm, I lived in Johnson, grew up in Johnson, but um, I went to a lot of camps uh, at PC, like in Alumni Hall, um, Peterson Rec Center. There was a lot of them. Um, you know, I, some of the camp counselors were like players like Chris Dunn, who's in the NBA now. Uh, yeah. David Duke, he just signed with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm trying to uh, get him on as well. But uh, yeah. definitely, definitely a cool experience for you. But, um, you know, obviously during uh, your time with the Celtics, uh, you had a career-ending injury uh, with your knee. Um, what was your mindset like at that time uh, of your career? And uh, what did you do? What did you what did you think your career was going to um, come to after that? Well, you know, injuries are part of the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I uh, I hurt my knee my second year in the NBA. Uh, we played Oakland, uh, Golden State out there in Oakland. And I just wanted to make a pass and I felt a little pinch and my knee swelled up. He took me out of the game and uh, I knew something was wrong. It, it just doesn't swell up like that. And uh, the trainer was saying, ah, you just bruised it. And I said, nah, something's wrong. So they, they, in those days, they didn't do arthroscopic surgery. Meaning today they go in with these three little tubes and they just take the part out that's torn. In those days, they in 73, they go in and they took the whole cartilage out. It was like a major operation. So when they took that out, um, you know, my career definitely took a hit. Uh, I didn't play as many minutes and, you know, it wasn't as, fun, as much fun. But, uh, you know, that's life. Life's full of up and downs. You know, like you said, you, you look at uh, Danny Mazzula and look at the break he got. I mean, if my bad break in life is going to be, you know, an injury with my knee, I can live with that, you know. Um, and uh, it's something you wish that never happened, but uh, you can't stop those things. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Like you said, it's it's part yeah. of the game. 
Um, you know, but the time you did have before it, uh, you left a huge mark for the Friars and in the NBA as well. Uh, just recently, you were inducted to uh, the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2019. And for someone like me playing basketball like my whole life and being so young, not, you know, being able to see you play, like watching highlights on YouTube, like I said earlier, um, it, like, it looked to me like you were ahead of your time. And, uh, you know, with the behind the back passes, no look passes, deep shot, you know, some deep shots that because the three point line wasn't even a thing back then. And um, just simply incredible and eye opening for me. Uh, it's cool for me to see you. Uh, you can still leave your mark for people who didn't get to see you play in that time period, which kind of leads me uh, to like my last question. Um, where did your passion for basketball stem from? And uh, what was your favorite memory? It could be high school, college, the NBA, anything that truly uh, sticks with you to this day. Well, my passion, believe it or not, when I was um, 11 years old, I played Little League Baseball. And, you know, my first time up, I hit a home run at Lee Romano Field in Maryville, and I never hit another one. But with baseball, you always had to have, you know, two teams to play. You just couldn't play baseball. But then I said, geez, I picked up a basketball. And I said, I could just go practice by myself. And I could just dribble my ball from my house to my uh, uh, grammar school and where there was a hoop. And I could play for hours and hours by myself and get better. And that's basically where my passion started when, when I was like 11 years old. If, if I look back and say, what was the greatest moments in my career, you know, I feel when you play in college and you play for the fun of the game and the love of the game, it's totally different than when you play in the NBA where guys are getting paid and, you, and money's involved. When money's involved in things in life, Cam, people can be awful funny, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I would say the most exciting time was uh, when we uh, had that run in the final four. And also after that, Marvin and I played, I played in this Russian series and was like the MVP, like five out of seven games and leading scorer for the team. Those, those moments were like, you know, special. You know, in the NBA, I did some really unique things by leading, you know, the league twice in free throw percentage and, and assists and you know, being a rookie of the year. But the, the fun of it and the excitement was totally different because there were more you know, negative things going on in life you know, you're dealing with and, and, and serious things. But you know, uh, that's life. Everything can't be happy and good. You have to roll with the good and the bad. So I, I have no regrets. I uh, can say I played five years in the NBA and was rookie of the year. And, you know, uh, I can say I was a first team All-American and my senior year in college, third guy picked in a draft. And then I was a voted in the uh, Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. Those are hell of accomplishments from a little kid from North Providence, you know, who everybody said who didn't have a chance. Yeah, right. And that's that's the thing I'm trying to do. I mean, I know I didn't, uh, pursue my basketball career with, at the college level, but I'm trying to do the same thing, trying to make it out of a small town in, in Rhode Island, you know what I mean? Build the name for myself here. 
hopefully one day on a broadcasting stage in the NBA, NFL, you know, wherever my career takes me, but, you know, truly inspiring to hear those kinds of stories. And um, I just want to know where, what are you doing nowadays uh, after the NBA? I, I, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a writer. I, I've written mm-hmm. three books, you know, uh, that'll be coming out shortly. Uh, one about uh, myself and Marvin Bonds and my college coach in my years at PC that'll be coming out real quick, like maybe in the next six months. And I've written two children's books. Everything's about basketball. Yeah. You know, I live basketball since I was like 10 years old. I'm 70 years old now and it's still basketball. It'll be right. basketball until I'm 90, you know, but that's the fun of it. You know, basketball is fun. And I've got so many opportunities still, you know, from basketball so uh you know anything's possible if you believe in yourself and uh i had no problem believing in myself i was a very confident cocky player of course i mean i i was too um and that's how i you know live my life every day doing this but um that's pretty much all i got wrapped up but you know pleasure is mine as always having you on i appreciate you so much reaching out um What'd you think of the show? What'd you think of the lineup? I just want to give uh, have a little feedback. Yeah, I think it's you great. Think. You're doing a great job. Keep going. Keep doing it. Any way I can help you, let me know. And uh, I look forward to it, my friend. Thank you. I, pleasure having you, man. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Take care, son. You Thank too. You.